Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. I got to say that uh, the uh, adventure of preparing a message and then getting to this place where I'm standing in front of you is always a little nerve-wracking, simply because uh, by the middle of the week, I have multiple pages of notes. And you need to know that they have to be whittled down to the bare essentials. And the time, the clock is ticking because Carly wants something from me by Thursday, which I get to her on Friday. And then the tech team up there needs something by Friday, which I get to them on Saturday, because they need to make sure it gets up on the screen for you. And in the process of all that, you have this sense that you really don't have it quite right yet. You've done all the research, you've done all the thinking, and you come along and you know that God is still at work. There's something unfinished. Have you ever felt like that? You have a good idea of where you're supposed to go, but it's not exactly set yet. It wasn't set for me until we started worship this morning. And then just little phrases that captured some of the things that I'd been thinking about. Or the fact that Derek read from Isaiah 11, which I read on Wednesday as a part of my devotions. Or to hear a song written and capture the heart of it and recognize that God is preparing all of our hearts, mine included, for this morning. And I so appreciate the fact that uh, I feel supported and encouraged and people standing with me. You see, the gospel that you and I live is not to be lived alone. It's all of us together. And we only make waves. We only move forward when we do it together. John chapter 14, note 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment give I you, that you love one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. Do you catch the community there? The knowing of who we are is really rooted in who we are together. And so uh, this morning I come to you and we're talking about the second Sunday of Advent, which is peace. But do you know where peace comes from? Well, let's just sort of back up. The first Sunday of Advent, we talked about the promises, right? And that they give us hope. But you want to know something? Promises are only words on a page until you act on them. And so last Sunday we talked about the fact that worship really is obedience to what we understand the scriptures saying. But that obedience opens up doors of possibilities. And so you have John or Jesus speaking in John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8 he makes this comment. 
He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Doesn't that sound great? You can read the words, know them, and you'll be set free. That's not true. Because you see, before he made that statement, he said this. If you're my disciples, you will do what I say, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You see, obedience opens a door. It opens a door that reveals the heart of God. It opens a door that helps us to understand all the good things we have in God. And a favorite verse of mine is Philipp, uh, Philippians. It's Philemon. If you find the book of Hebrews, it's the, one of the bigger books at the end of the Bible. And the page before is the book of Philemon. And in Philemon, it's one chapter. So chapter 1, verse 6, he makes this comment. If you are active in sharing your faith... You will have a good understanding of everything you have in Christ Jesus. That's the NIV translation. Your translations, if you're reading something other than NIV, will say it a little differently. But that same truth is rooted in it. There is an understanding that comes out of our obedience. Now, on the slide up there, it says peace. And then it has that word repentance underneath it. Do you realize... That repentance, I'm giving away the answer at the end of the thing at the end of the thing. Repentance is the mechanism that God uses to bring you in line, in line with what he, his heart is, his mission is. You see, our lives are so confused. They're so mixed up because of sin in this world. Because of the fact that we have made choices for ourselves. The fact that we have gotten angry at somebody. Or we've lied to protect ourselves. There's a whole bunch of chaos in our lives because of that. And when God reveals himself to us, and when he shows us the mess our lives are, that's when we respond to him and say, Lord, help me. And part of his help is to help us see where we've made mistakes, where we have sinned, where we have fallen short of the glory of God. And in doing so, what he does is he gives us a way to let go of that guilt and walk in a new way that honors him. And so repentance is this mechanism, this opportunity that God puts before you. When you acknowledge or you see, oh my goodness, I made a mistake. I sinned against that person. I did not meet God's standard of righteousness and holiness. When you see that, the first thing you need to hang on to is that Jesus has already paid the price for that sin. Every sin in all the world is paid for already. It's complete. But you have to act in repentance to embrace the promises, to embrace God's heart and desire. And that step of aligning yourself with God is a step of going from, Lord, I lied to this person. I want to make that right, and I commit myself to speaking the truth. You see, repentance is really about changing the direction, right? It's the intention and purpose to say, this is the way I'm walking, but it's not pleasing God, so I'm going to turn around and walk the way that pleases God. Right at the core. And you know what? When you act in repentance, you experience peace. You see, peace that Jesus gives is not shallow. 
It goes to the very core of who we are. It deals with the unsettled relationships in our lives. It deals with those areas of addiction, whatever they might be. It helps us get perspective, and it helps us to start to walk in a way that honors God. So when uh, Derek started talking about the fear of the Lord and having a spirit of the fear of the Lord on us, that's what this is about. As we embrace our desires to worship God and to honor him and so on, we also then embrace a, a fear of disappointing him. We embrace the reality that as we live our lives, the Spirit of God is going to be present to stop us and give second pause to what we're going to do. You see, the Spirit does not put up a, a stop sign that you can't go by. How many of you have ran a red light unintentionally? Maybe not unintentionally. How many of you have come up against something and you have had a pause in your heart and you have thought, I know I shouldn't do this, but. And it could be, I shouldn't do this, but I am angry. I shouldn't do this, but I am fearful. I shouldn't do this, but whatever it is. And we make a decision. That's the spirit of God convicting you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to experience that lots in your life. And every time the Spirit stops you, causes you to pause and to reflect, it's an opportunity to align yourself with God's purposes. And if the fear of the Lord is on you, the Spirit of Jesus in you, your desire is going to want to do what's right and stop. So that's when peace comes. Peace comes not simply because Jesus gives you peace. But it comes because you understand what his word says. You understand the scriptures. And you understand what his heart's desires are. And you want to please him. So one of the other little clues that we were on the right track this morning is when the question was asked of Megan, who's your favorite character in the Christmas story? And she said, Elizabeth. And I go, wow. To pick somebody out like that. So Luke chapter 1, I think that's the next slide up there. Yeah, there it is. Got it right. Luke chapter 1, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. This is Elizabeth speaking to Mary. Okay? So what's happened is, is Mary had the encounter with the angel, and the angel told her about that she was going to be, have a child. And then after that got settled in her heart. She went down to visit Elizabeth. And in meeting Elizabeth, Elizabeth immediately noted, noted something. And God spoke to her, gave her a word of knowledge. And she talked about the blessing that Mary would be. And at the end of that statement, she makes this. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You see, Mary was a promise keeper. She took the promises of God and she actually acted on them. If we go back in the story, you can read this yourself in Luke chapter 1. It starts off with the story of Zacharias. This is Elizabeth's husband. He's told that he's going to have a son. He asks this question, Lord, how can this be? I'm really old. 
and it was loaded with doubt. Fast forward, Mary gets the same, or angel comes to Mary, and Mary says, Mary, you're going to have a son. She asks exactly the same question. How can this be? I'm a virgin. You know what the difference between the two were? Zechariah doubted God's word. He questioned it. Mary, she was just curious. How is it going to happen? It's a big difference, isn't it? One is trying to understand. The other one is sort of saying, I don't see it happening. How about you? When God speaks to you, gives you a word of knowledge, insight into something, are you the one that goes, I'm not sure that could happen? Or how in the world are you going to make that happen? Lord, I'm excited to see what it's going to be. You see, the two people that I were talking about last week, we talked about Joseph and the fact that he, this was a man who was righteous and he obeyed God whenever God gave him a direction. Okay, Mary, Mary's pregnant, but that's right. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Take her as your wife. So he does. Three kings come. Okay, there weren't three. We don't know how many there were. But the, the wise men came, and after they leave, the Lord said to Joseph, you have to escape. Herod's going to kill the babies. He just ups and does it. Mary's the same. Isn't that like God to choose these great people, people of faith? These are people that were at peace with their relationship with God, and they could act on that. And so that's what we want to be. We want to be people of faith. Romans chapter 2. There it is. So when you are a mere man or woman, pass judgment on those, let me see, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or uh, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? One of the things that I wanted to just touch on is that we sometimes view people around us as not changing very quickly. And we judge them. They don't believe the same of us. They approach life a little bit different than us. And we sometimes have the tendency to judge them. And what this passage is talking about is the fact that we need to have the perspective of God. See, God's perspective on people is, is that he shows kindness to them. He loves them. He reaches out and he invests in them. Why? Because he wants to lead them to repentance. And repentance is the end goal that we have in mission. We are called to make disciples who make disciples, right? And part of that process is recognizing that God is at work in people's lives to love them and be kind to them and care for them. And that's your calling and my calling. Why? Because he's leading them through us, step by step, to repent. And so when we make decisions about who someone is, without really reflecting on where God wants to lead them, we sometimes are, in a sense, pushing them back from us. We're not allowing the love of Christ in us 
to minister to them, but we're holding them at arm's length. And we need to have this attitude that no, when we're talking about repentance or leading people into repentance, it really is a function of us being inclusive in terms of embracing them, in terms of taking them with all their warts and caring for them and speaking life to them. You see, in the story of Christmas, who are the first people that God calls to come and celebrate the birth of his son? They're shepherds. You can read up uh, any uh, documentation on it about how shepherds were viewed in those cu that culture in those days. And they had a very low reputation. They were not first-class people. They were considered the low of the lows. And yet, here's God reaching out and embracing them and then come and celebrate with us. And so we need to be a people that are kind and considerate to those around us. We are to be people of repentance because a repentance brings us in line with the heart of God. And when you're judging people, that's one of the times where you're going to feel a stop. And God is going to ask, is this the right attitude to have? Is this the way you minister to people? Is this the way you embrace them? And then you have a choice whether you're going to turn around and go the other way. Or are you going to continue on the way you were going? You see, salvation is not a one-time event. Salvation is a continual process of you being changed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus. And it's going to take all of your lifetime until you actually are face-to-face -face with him to be changed. And so I grew up in a day when the preaching of the gospel was very simple. You confess your sins, you ask God to forgive you, and you're forgiven all your sins. You're a new creature. You don't have to change anything anymore. But the reality is, is that we have a general understanding of our sinfulness. We have a general understanding of what God wants to do and how he wants to save us. And once we embrace that, once we embrace that that's the truth and we ask him to forgive us, he starts the process of sanctifying, of shaping us. And repentance is that tool that God uses to shape us. So this morning I want to pick on one area, it's stewardship. And so... Let's go to the quote, the next one. This is a fellow named uh, Charles Bug. What a name, right? Charles Bug defined uh, stewardship like this. He said, stewardship utilizes and man is managing, utilizing and managing all the resources God provides for the glory of God to the betterment of his creation. And then it goes down a little farther. It's managing and utilizing intelligently the gifts that God has given. The Christian steward is not only responsible for the financial blessings provided by God, but also the spiritual gifts that are given through the Holy Spirit. And then he says, stewards, we are stewards, his stewards in the work of creation and redemption and sanctification. 
Why in the conversation about repentance would we marry it to stewardship? Well, I'll tell you why. If there's one area that uh, we struggle with, and the Bible speaks about it this way, when it comes to finances or our personal comfort, we can be very defensive. The Bible talks about the fact that the, root of mon the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not the money itself, it's just the attitude towards it. When it comes to stewardship, everything about stewardship is about attitude. How we decide to please God is really rooted in how we value our relationship with Him and His mission in this world. And stewardship is really about the, how we take the resources that God has put in our hands and use them for the kingdom's purposes. So, Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. It's an interesting passage because it goes like this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust can destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. You see, finding out where your treasure is really is a function of repentance. It's aligning who you are with the heart of God. And as we grow in our relationship with Him, He starts to reveal to us the places where our lives are not aligned with His. And every time He does that, He shows us a step we can take to get back in line. And every time we line up with what His intention and purposes are, it guides or shapes our stewardship. The passage goes on to say, the eye is a lamp of the body. If your eye is good, the word good there is actually means focused or singular. It's focused in a specific way. Your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. No one can serve two masters. Repentance is taking and focusing our attention into who God is. And when we bring that focus to bear, and we come to love and respect what he is doing and his intentions towards us, which are always good, when we fall into those places being aligned with him, we live in peace. We have a confidence that our decisions are being made in a way that honors him. And it sets us free from second-guessing the outcomes, and rather gives us this confidence to move forward in life. So repentance is a mechanism by which our hearts and lives are aligned with God's heart and mission. So I want to conclude with James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, it starts off like this. What is causing the quarrels and fightings among you? Do they come from the evil desires that war within you? Paul said it another way. In Romans chapter 7, he talks about the fact that he's in intention. I know what is right to do, but I do not do it. And I know what is wrong to do, but I still do it. Paul struggled with this tension in our lives. 
And repentance is the means by which that gets lined up. And our stewardship falls into that same thing. We're in tension all the time about what should we do with the resources we have. And this isn't just finances. Some of you have been given resources spiritually of compassion, of serving, of caring for other people. And the tension is, when should I apply it? When should I hold back? We have to have a sense of God working in us to give us direction through the, all the resources that he has put in our hands. So you want to do, uh, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill and so on. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You only want it to serve your own pleasure. And then in verse 7, it gets, starts to give us a bit of a sense of what it means to come back into relationship with God. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. Resist the temptations to go your own way. And he will flee from you. Come close to God. And he will come close to you. You see, at the beginning of the worship set, Derek talked about an intimacy. He talked about it again, talking about coming into the presence of God and in a sense climbing up into his lap and being held by him. That's what this is about. Come close to him. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep sad grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. There is an awareness that we need to have that our lives that are not focused on God cause pain, cause a separation. And we need to grieve that. But that leads us to repentance that leads us to the place of coming close to God and allowing him to meet us and to lead us and when we step into his purposes and intentions God reveals himself in special ways and we start to embrace the calling of God that he puts in our hearts <clears throat> many years ago we were pastoring in a small church and uh the lead pastor left, and I was asked to be the interim lead. And in that time, one of the uh, fellows that was part of the church had a gift of discernment related to healing. And so he came to me, and he says, he explained himself to me, and he says, you know, I have this sense that when somebody is hurting in a particular area, God gives me that pain, or gives me a pain in that area, and I have to acknowledge that. And so he says, would you be open to inviting people to come forward if they feel pain in a specific area? And I'd be happy to pray with them. So I said, yes, I'm open to that. I knew him. I knew his heart. I knew his desire to heal, uh, for ministry from the Spirit. And so at the end of the service, he would come and he'd stand at the end of the aisle. So I'm preaching here and he'd be standing there at the doorway at the back of the church and he'd be pointing at his knee, or he'd be pointing at his neck, and it sort of felt surreal. But I would, I'd try to decide to do it. So I'd say, you know, this morning, if there's anyone here that has an experience of pain in the neck, 
other than relationships, I mean, <laughs> but a pain in the neck, uh, would you come forward? We have someone here who would like to pray for you. And this happened a number of times, three or four times in a row, a couple Sundays in a row, and I go, wow, this is amazing. Because every Sunday I'd go to him afterwards and I'd say, so tell me, you know what happened? Oh, I had two people come up or I had one person come up. And I go, it was enlightening for me. And it was exciting. But it was happening to him, not me. So one day I said, Lord, would, could you do that in me? Yeah, oh no. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I asked that question. And I can remember one particular Sunday. <clears throat> I got up at the end of the service and I said, you know what? I says, there's someone here this morning who cannot hear out of your left ear. Because all of a sudden I couldn't hear out of my left ear. There was a ringing there and I couldn't hear. And I said, if that's you, I'd like you to come forward and I'd be happy to pray with you. And so at the end of the service, there was a gentleman there from Ontario uh, who had come out to visit family. And uh, so I asked him, I says, uh, you know, what's the issue? He says, well, I'm coming forward because I have no hearing in my left ear. I said, okay, well, let's pray. One of the things I'd learned in the process of practicing this is that often the physical ailment was an indicator of something spiritual in their lives. And so I prayed. And I said, Lord, you know this person can't hear. And I would pray, Lord, that you would heal him. But Lord, more than that, I should tell you, first of all, that he was a, uh, had, was a retired uh, pastor. He'd come out of a tradition that uh, believed in the work of the Holy Spirit. And as he had been talking to me, I just sensed that I said, Lord, I think he, this man has served you faithfully out of the word, but he's also been led by the spirit. But right now he's only hearing in mono. He is not hearing in stereo. He isn't hearing from you through the word or through the spirit. One of those is missing. And I asked him, I said, is this true? And he says, yeah, I've stopped listening to the spirit. So I said, Lord, I pray that you would heal him so he would know that you want him to be back listening by the Spirit. And so I prayed for him. At the end of it, I said, how's it doing? He says, goes like this, plugs his right ear, tells me to speak. So I speak. Sorry, can't hear you. I says, well, God sometimes works progressively in this. So that was Sunday. Thursday, I got a phone call from Ontario. He goes, you can't believe it. I'm healed. I said, why? How did it happen? Curiosity, right? He says, I don't know how it happened. I just know that I got on the plane. This is back in the days when you had to have earbuds to listen to music on the plane. Do you guys remember that this time? Some of you are too young to remember that. And they were mono. They only worked on one side. Do you remember that? He had put the headphones on, plugged them in, turned on the music, and he's sitting there listening. He said, I didn't think anything of it until I realized that it was only, the sound was only coming in my left ear. God had healed him somewhere between Sunday and Thursday. 
When you walk in alignment with God, you step out and you trust him to do something. You invite him to work through you or in you. It only comes because you've aligned yourself with him, with his purposes. And in aligning yourself with him, you're putting yourself in a place where he can use you in new ways that you never anticipated. And so I want to encourage you. This issue around stewardship, how we use our resources, whether it be your finances or being the spiritual gifts you have or the home you live in or the friends you have, all of these are resources that God has put in our hands, in our lives. And the intention is, is that he wants to work in and through them. I just told you about a spiritual gift. That wasn't really a gift in the sense of the gift of healing. It's more a word of knowledge. But it only was functional when I said, Lord, could you do this in me? In other words, Lord, can this happen? And then expecting it to happen. Finance is the same thing. We have, we're, Brenda and I have traveled a little bit and we've encountered poverty in the world. You don't have to go very far. We just can find it right around town here, right? You need to realize that most of us are wealthier than 99% of the world even though we feel like we're pretty poor and hard done by because inflation and whatever. But the reality is, is that God has given us resources that are so great. And have we in some ways hoarded them for ourselves rather than saying, Lord, all that I have belongs to you. In the area of giving your resources, Malachi says the promise God's speaking to his people. They're talking about the fact that the people had stolen from God through not giving their tithes and offerings. And then he makes this comment. He says, you know what? God's speaking. He says, give your tithe into the house of the Lord and see if I won't pour out on you such a great blessing that you cannot contain it. It's a great promise. But how many of us have actually acted on it? The Old Testament was based on tithing. Tithing is referred to in the New Testament, but I want to tell you something. Tithing isn't enough for God. He wants all of you. He wants all of what you have because he wants the whole of your life, all the resources of your life available for the kingdom of God. And so I'd encourage you to take and be reading the Bible looking for the promises that God wants to give you, embracing them, allowing them to work in your life, and then see the good outcomes that God will bring from them. It starts with us acknowledging that we need him to guide us, to lead us into the wholeness of all that he has for us. It starts with us Aligning our lives with him. Allowing repentance to shape us into the likeness and purposes of God. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are present.
in our lives and that your intention is not to leave us the way we came into your, your presence, but rather, Lord, you're in the business of shaping us into the image of Jesus. And I want to thank you for your commitment by your spirit to be present for us and to lead us into all righteousness. And so this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our lives individually and corporately. And the result would be, Lord, that your purposes and intentions would be fulfilled through us for your kingdom's glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.